You know, church family, every time we gather in corporate worship, we have a singular aim. It's our desire to help you as the people of God, First Baptist Church of Irving, to see more of the glory of Christ. That's what we want. Every week, we want you to know more and to see more of the glory of Christ. We are unashamedly a Christ-centered church. We want to make much of him. So the songs that we choose, the songs that we sing, we want these songs to to stir our our corporate love for Jesus. We want our times of, of prayer together to strengthen our trust in Jesus. We want our times of teaching to expose you to the words of Jesus and help you learn to hear his voice. We want you to leave these times of of corporate worship, not just encouraged because you've been able to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ, not just because you've encountered the family of God. We want you to leave encouraged because you've encountered the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. What a, a good, I think, I hope, shared aim for our time together today. And I'm truly excited this morning because our text makes that work very easy today. As we move into the latter part of Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 30, this text is overflowing with truth about who Jesus is and what he has come to do. It will be very easy for us, with God's help, Holy Spirit, to behold more of the glory of Christ today through this passage. This morning, we're going to hear from the mouth of Jesus himself, who he is, more of who he is, and more of what he's come to do. If there's any mystery left in Matthew's gospel as to who this Jesus is and why it matters for your life, that mystery is removed today in this very important passage. A beautiful picture that Matthew paints for us of our glorious Savior, Jesus. This morning, As with any other morning, but especially this morning, I want you to behold the Lamb of God. First Baptist Church of Irving, I want you to behold the Son of God. I want you to see more of Jesus and be moved at God's goodness to give us access to the Son in this way and then consequently to himself. Here's the essence of the picture that Matthew is painting for us today in Matthew chapter 11 as he bears witness to the very words of Jesus under the inspiring work of the Spirit. Jesus is the promised Son who reveals the Father and welcomes the repentant into the kingdom of God. I don't know if there's a more worthy description of the person and work of Jesus maybe than this. That he is the promised son who reveals the father and welcomes the repentant into the kingdom of God. And and that full statement is put forth for us in this passage of Matthew's gospel. Let's see how Matthew paints this picture of Christ today. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 30. Here's what the word of God says. Then Jesus began to denounce 
the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a full passage, isn't it? We move from wrath to rest in 10 verses. What a clear, comprehensive, beautiful picture of the entire work of Jesus in just these verses. There's so much truth. And here's how I want us to to kind of approach it today as the people of God. I want us to to think about what Matthew's doing here like a, a piece of art. Okay, so imagine... You're at a museum in downtown Dallas and you get to behold a a masterpiece painting. Let's say it's Van Gogh's Starry Night. Okay, you're familiar with this painting, one of the most famous paintings in all the world. And you can appreciate a masterpiece like this in a number of ways, right? You can stand back from it and try to take it all in at one time. And you can get a a sense of the, the, the sensibility of it and be overwhelmed by its beauty. But there's another way to appreciate this painting as well, right? You can get in close and you can focus on particular pieces of this painting. You can chop it down into smaller bits. And and as you appreciate different pieces of it, when you step back, it helps you appreciate the fullness of the painting even more, right? So you can look at this and you can look at one of the stars in Starry Night and you can appreciate just one of the stars and the intricacies of that star. You can appreciate this weird fern thing in the foreground and why that is the thing that he is using to get perspective to the painting. You can appreciate the church in the bottom. You can appreciate the brush strokes, focusing on the individual pieces or the smaller pictures within the picture actually gives you a greater appreciation for the larger picture. You tracking with me? So here's what I think Matthew's doing today. He's offering us three smaller pictures that help us zoom in on particular aspects of the work of Christ so that when we step away, step back, and those three pictures are put together, it helps us appreciate in better ways the masterpiece that is Christ. So I want us to 
to take a moment and look at these three smaller pictures that Matthew unfolds for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about Jesus so that at the end of today, we can step back and appreciate in greater ways our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's, let's look at each one of these smaller pictures, three of them, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 to 30 of Jesus. Firstly, picture number one, Jesus is our righteous judge. It's pretty evident, right, in the first Four verses there, verses 20 to 24. The picture that that Matthew offers picks up in many ways from our passage last week as he moves through chapter 11. You may remember at the end of our passage last week, Jesus was discussing how stunning it was that his own people were rejecting both his message and the message of John the Baptist. It didn't really matter what the message was. People just didn't want to hear it because it wasn't what they wanted It wasn't a conception of God or his kingdom or his work that they wanted. And as a result, they missed both the promised Messiah and the new Elijah who was working to prepare the way for Christ. But then Jesus moves to a stunning prophetic statement of judgment over these people who have rejected their Messiah and rejected the new Elijah, John the Baptist. He offers a series of woes. Woe here indicating a a warning of coming doom. Judgment awaits. And and the judgment that Jesus describes is pretty startling, if you think about it. Remember, he's speaking right here to three cities in Galilee. Cities comprised of Jewish people. People of God, right? And what does he say to them? This evangelical triangle, three cities in specific that he mentions, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. According to Matthew, the majority of Christ's teaching, the majority of his miracles were done in these three cities. And yet, in spite of all that they have seen, in spite of all they have heard, they have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And as a result, stunning judgment awaits on them. Jesus says, they will face, face a harsher judgment on the day of judgment than Tyre and Sidon. We see that in verse 21. Who are they? They were just Gentile cities. But they were known for Baal worship and pride in their wealth and power. Pagan cities who worshiped false gods. It's going to be worse for you than them on the day of judgment. And that's stunning. And then it goes further. Not only them, but Sodom. Remember the story, Sodom and Gomorrah, the story of Abraham and Lot. Sodom was so wicked, God wiped it from the face of the earth. In fact, over time, the city Sodom became synonymous with sin. That's how sinful it was. And yet God says, Capernaum, it would be better for you I mean, it's going to be worse for you, better for Sodom, worse for you on the day of judgment. What stunning statements, right? That cities in the promised land could face harsher judgment than pagan cities and cities corrupted to their core by sin. Why? Because Jesus says, if they had seen what you've seen, if they had heard, 
what you've heard. If they had access to me the way you've had access to me, they would have repented. If they heard the message that I was giving, they would have fallen on their face before God and sackcloth and ash and said, God, please spare us from the wrath that is to come, but you have not. You should know better. You've got the law. You've got the son. You should know better, but yet your hearts are so hard that you're rejecting me. And as a result, you will face stern, harsh punishment from me, your righteous judge. We've got to remember, friends, that the gospel begins, the good news of Jesus begins with some bad news. We are all sinners. And in our heart of hearts, we don't want to accept the message of Jesus. We want God to abide by our rules. We want to shape him in our image. And if we reject Jesus, if we continue to reject the grace and the mercy that God has offered us in Christ, a, an eternity of judgment awaits from, for us. And it seems like, based on your access to the gospel, there is different severities of judgment that await for us. So in this case, because they did have access and they rejected Jesus, they had access to him and the gospel, there's going to be worse punishment for them in hell than those who didn't have access. So think about what that means for us today, here today. You are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're joining us online, you're hearing the, the good news of Jesus Christ. You, you have access. As sitting before the, the Bible as a meeting place, a divine meeting place between us and God. You have an opportunity now to, to hear what God has offered you in Jesus. And if you reject that, even though God has been gracious to give you an opportunity to hear of what he's done for you in Jesus, it could heighten the severity of your judgment for all of eternity. What a, what a stunning statement. What a sobering reality that we have to remember that Jesus is a judge who must uphold the righteous standard of God's holiness. All of us in this room will stand before Jesus one day and be judged. If we're in Christ, we'll be judged toward faithfulness and reward. But if we're outside of Christ, we'll be judged for our rejection of Jesus. The degrees of wrath. It's important for us to remember this, friends, because the bad news makes the good news that much sweeter, right? And it's important for us to be reminded of what it is that Christ is saving us from. Jesus is a judge who will carry out wrath on those who reject him, who do not respond in repentance. But if you do respond in repentance, a different picture of Christ or a, a fuller picture of Christ awaits you. It's good for us to remember that Jesus is a just judge that will overcome injustice and, and hold God's standard rightly. It allows us to trust God and what he has promised and what he has said and what he will do. And again, it reminds us of the, the grace and the mercy that God has lavished upon us in Christ. He is a righteous judge, 
this Jesus. But notice, he's also the true son. Another picture that rounds out and helps us to understand more fully the full work of Jesus, the, the full being of Christ. He is the true son. And in this role, as the true son, he is the perfect revelation of God to us. I want you just to rest in that moment for that, that statement for a moment. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God to us, which heightens the difficulty to understand how the people of God could reject him, right? Listen to these incredible words again in verses 25 to 28. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise, those who think they are wise according to their own understanding, like the Pharisees and the people of these cities. And he revealed them to little children who know their need, who have a humble posture before you. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. It's a good statement. All these things have been handed over to me by my Father. And listen to this. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And it's an important conjunction. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, I don't want to get into a formal theology class here, but these are some of the most important words in the whole of the Bible. They are so rich with truth about Jesus. I want you to hear me this morning. We do not know God apart from the Son. Let me say it again. You cannot know God apart from Jesus. But in Jesus, through Jesus, you can know God. Marvel at that. You can know God, the Father, through the Son. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So you can come to the Father through him. And when you behold the Son, you behold the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Now what do you think what that means? God didn't just send us information about him. He didn't just send us a wire or an email. He didn't send us a text message or a direct message. He sent us a person. Think about the, the difference that makes, right? It's difficult to know someone when all you're doing is responding to them in writing or through messages. It's an entirely different experience when you get to sit with them. Don't you, don't you know that sentiment has been elevated in COVID? I know there are people watching right now who are waiting the day when they can come back to this gathering in person because in person is different. Even as you see me, we're separated digitally. There's still a separation that exists. It's different when we can commune together in person. And that's exactly what God did for us. To help us know him, to help us fellowship with him, he sent a person, his son. 
who is not just sort of like him. You know, I, if, you, if you know my son, Jude, and you know me, you pretty much see that we could have been Xeroxed. I mean, it's, it's crazy, scary. And my mom and my wife are up here and they would affirm what I'm saying, Jude is my mini-me. We are the same person. But he's also a little bit different, right? I mean, he's my son. If you know my son, Jude, and you, you hang out with him, you would pretty much know what Jared was like at five. And you probably could understand a little bit how Jared is the way he is at 38. <laughs> but there would still be some differences. He's not, he's, he's a very good representation of me. He's not a perfect representation of me. Jesus, as the son, is a perfect representation of the father. It's so good. When you know him, you know his dad. Here's what that means for us, guys, gals. When you see Jesus, you see what God is like. When you hear Jesus, you hear the voice of the Father. When you understand what he has said, you know that it is from the mind of God. And the consequence is this. When you reject Jesus, you reject God. No wonder there's so much wrath to come. In rejecting the Son, you reject the Father. But when you behold the Son, you behold the Father. That's why it's so important for us to listen to what Jesus says. That's why it's so important for us to understand his role as the Son. God has given us this, this gift as an act of his glorious grace. His pleasure to do this for us to send his son to help us know him and what he wants for us in better ways. Hear me, no one has a better understanding of the law or scripture than Jesus. He authored it. He's the authority. Like if I wanted to know more about Starry Night, where's the best place I could go if he was still alive? Van Gogh, right? Now I could talk to John Bushwar, who teaches art. I can talk to critics of art. I can touch to other painters. They can help me understand a little bit about the, the greatness of this painting. But no one knows truly all that went into that other than Van Gogh. So why would you go to other Pharisees? Why would you go to other teachers? Why would you go to other scribes to try to understand the law and what God designed it for when you have access to the Son? What he's, what he's teaching you, what he's saying. No one has a better understanding of the expectations of God than Jesus. He shares them. No one has a better understanding of the heart of God for his people. He has the same heart. So hear me. True followers of Christ who are listening this morning, the ones who don't rely upon the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom that is from above. For people of faith that God is forming for himself, Jesus has given you access to God himself. Something that you will experience here, partially, building toward eternity where you will do it fully. You can know God by knowing Jesus. And God wants you to know God through his son. It was a, an act of his grace and good pleasure to do so. And this is good because he's better than we could have ever imagined. 
We need Jesus to reveal God because it's so different, this God, than we expected, right? This good shepherd who wants to care for us, who doesn't respond to us in kind the way we would, but seeks to to bestow upon us goodness and mercy. And finally, the third picture, Jesus is our perfect teacher. Verses 28 to 30, we see this smaller picture unfold. And to help us understand it, we've got to talk about yolks. I talk about eggs. Those are good yolks, different kind of yolk. And it's a piece of farming equipment. Here's what it looks like. And you can see the purpose here, right? This is two bulls, two cows. They're joined together for the purpose of doing some agricultural work. Back then, likely it was two oxen that were joined together. It gave them extra strength. But there's also larger purpose to this work. Farmers would, would train their other oxen or their other cows to be better in the work they were asking them to do through the use of a yoke. So here's what would happen. A stronger oxen would be paired with a weaker oxen. A more experienced oxen would be partnered with a less experienced oxen so that new ox, that, that least or the less experienced ox could learn what it was that they were supposed to be doing out in the field, obeying their master. The experienced ox helped the less experienced ox or the inexperienced ox learn about farming and learn to respond to the master's voice and to hold him tight whenever that ox wanted to go back to the barn and start eating hay or grain. And over time, this image of being yoked together began to be applied to the teaching of the Torah and the law. And so teachers would come and they would say, hey, listen, I'm going to teach you the law and that's going to be a yoke for you. You're going to be attached to me as as an authority, as an expert in the law, and it's going to help you as a weaker or a younger brother or sister understand what God expects for you. It's going to help you understand the voice of your master. But here's the problem. All these teachers before Jesus, they they didn't really help the people of God be more faithful in the work. They didn't help them hear the voice of God better. In fact, oftentimes they made it more difficult. The burden was too much to bear. It was, it was frustrating because they didn't know how to please their God. And yet here comes Jesus. And what does he say? It's different, right? He's got a, a different connection with the master. And he says, why don't you come to me? Why don't you listen to me? Come to me. All who labor, all you guys who are working so hard, all of you who are heavy laden, burdened, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. Did you just feel your spirit longing for that? Take my yoke upon you. Attach yourself to me. Learn from me. And Jesus says he's willing to do that 
because he is gentle and lowly of heart. And he wants, he wants you to find rest for your souls by offering you a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. Listen, Jesus did not come to diminish others in order to show off his righteousness. The Pharisees were doing, right? Look how great we are. Look how wonderful I pray. Look how much I fast. Look how much better I am than you. This is how you please the Lord. Is that gentle and lowly in heart? It's pretty proud, isn't it? But here comes Jesus who has every right to be proud in that way. And he says, I'm, I'm gentle, I'm lowly, I'm approachable. I'm offering an invitation to come and I want you to come. He wants to move you from wrath to rest and to do that through incomparable revelation. Do you see the picture of the gospel here? Wrath awaits, but God sent his son, the perfect revelation of himself in Christ, and if you come to him in repentance, there's rest. Wrath, revelation, rest. So consider these three pictures together and the larger masterpiece that God is painting through his son. Jesus is the promised son who reveals the father and welcomes the repentant into the kingdom of God. Is your heart full today? Are you rejoicing in what it is that God has offered you in Christ, the, the testimony of his person and his work that is coming directly from his mouth? Is the Spirit stirring your heart to rejoice in a God who could offer such a thing just because it pleased him to do so? I hope so, because we know what it's like, don't we, to strive to work for someone's approval and never know how you stand before them. We know what it's like to work really hard and be frustrated because you're not getting what you thought you would get from all of your hard work. We know what it's like to be weary and to be burdened. And we know what it's like to assign all those expectations and all those emotions to God. The weariness that comes from that. And the futility as we look all around the world, seeing people try to, to work their way to God. But then here comes Jesus. He's like, hey, I got you. Let me do the work for you. Attach yourself to me. And let me actually, I, I'm the only one who can do this. Let me help you to, to learn the voice of your father. Let me help you to know how to live in a way that pleases him. Let me, know, let me help you know how to be about the father's business. Hear me this morning. Jesus is our perfect judge. For those of us who are in Christ, we will be judged for our faithfulness. But praise to God, it's toward reward. But if you're not in Christ, if you've rejected the gracious gift of God and the Son, you will be judged for something else. Degrees of punishment and an eternity separated from God in hell. 
But no, that is not what God wants for you. That is not the heart of God for you. He wants you to repent. He wants you to respond differently. If we come to him in repentance, if we come to him asking for his help, he will give us rest. And the only place where true rest can be found, God himself. You can be moved from wrath through the revelation of Christ to repentance, which leads to rest. What a beautiful picture that Matthew has painted for us of our glorious Jesus. May we never get over it, the glory of Christ. So how should we respond this morning to the picture that Matthew has painted under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of Jesus? Well, I think the invitation is pretty clear from our text. Firstly, you should come. Come. Jesus wants you to come, so come. If you don't know Christ, and you're working really hard to please God, just stop. You can't do it. Come to Jesus. Repentance and belief. Cry out to him and say, I need to attach myself to you. That's the only way to get to the Father. You can do that today. The Spirit is awakening you. Come to him. If you're in Christ and you messed up, come to him. If you fall back into that old mentality and you start trying to, to work your way to please, pleasing God, you start feeling the burden of religion and the burden of approval, come. Come back to Jesus and remember who God is through Christ. He's not like you. It's not like us. We, we say it often around here. Do you, you want to know how the gospel truly has a hold of your heart? When in moments of brokenness and moments of sin, you run toward God, not from him. Because you know, like that good father in the story of the prodigal son, he is waiting with open arms for you to come to yourself and remember who he is. Who he's shown himself to be in Jesus. Would you come today? Would you take his yoke? The second way we can respond today. Would you listen to Jesus' authoritative teaching on who God is and what he expects? Would you look at his example alone as to what it means to please God? In Jesus, we hear and we see the intent of God's redemptive work through his gentle and lowly servant. We understand that God wants to give us grace. He wants to show us mercy, but he will judge when the time is right. There's a lot of people in the world who want to, who want to tell you how to get to God, who want to tell you how to please God, if any of them disagree with Jesus, they're wrong. If any of them try to do anything more than what Christ has done, they're wrong. He is the authority. Let's take his yoke upon us and let's let our older brother in the faith guide us toward greater faithfulness and rest. And that's the third thing that we can do. 
find rest for your soul. I want you to hear me today. You can be comforted in this truth. If you know Jesus, it's because he wants you to know him. You think about that. What does that say about you? And your worth to God. You may be unworthy, but you're not worthless. If you know Jesus, it's because he wants you to know him. And if you know God through Christ, it's because God is pleased with you knowing him and he wants you to know him. How do I know that, Jared? Go to the text. What does Jesus say? All things, verse 27, have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If you know Jesus, it's because he wants you to know him. If you know God, it's because he wants you to know him. Isn't that so restful? We can mess up, we can fail. But in those moments of conviction, in those moments of invitation to come back to him, to experience the compassion of God, we can come as sons, as daughters, to a father who delights in us and wants us to know him. And then finally, would you rejoice that your future is one of reward, not wrath. That your woe has been turned to a woe. Right? That your woe is not impending doom. That your woe is a beholding of the glory of Christ. Isn't that good? And it's because of these things that we want to spend some extra time today in response. So let's enter into a corporate time of prayer if we could. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads at home? Would you just spend some time before the Lord? I want you in the, the space where you're in right now to ask the Spirit to help you behold your Savior in greater ways. I want you to, to ask him, as we, as we think about who Jesus is, would you just ask him to help your heart be stirred with greater love for Jesus? Behold Jesus today. He is your righteous judge. Can you rejoice in that? Or are you terrified by that? I pray you can rejoice in the idea that God is just and will hold all of those who come against his son and his people accountable and that he will give reward to those who are faithful in his service. Oh, that's a delight for you. If it's terrifying for you, then hear the rest of the story about Jesus. He's the true son. Would you praise God for the fact that he sent a person to reveal himself to you? That when you think about Jesus and you see the face of Jesus, you are beholding the face of God. That who Jesus is describes God. That when Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly of heart, 
that is reflective of the heart of God. And that even though that is so far beyond our expectation of who God is, this creator of the universe, who's all-powerful, doesn't make sense that he's this way, and yet he is. And Christ is the proof. That he's our perfect teacher. Come to unveil for us the whole point of Scripture, the point of the law, and to set the, the standard for us as we're yoked to him. And would you hear his call today? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Gosh, isn't that a good savior? So would you pray this morning as a church that we would come to him? Would you pray for the lost who do not know him and who are heavy laden, who are burdened, being led astray? they would come to the one place where, Jesus, where God can be found, and that's in Christ. Would you ask the Lord to give us a burden for the weary people around us to help them come to know Christ? And would you pray for us as his people who've been entrusted with the message of Jesus, that we would not become like these three cities and and take for granted the word of God and miss the word of God and reject what it is that he has actually said through his son and his servants. But that every week we would continually come to Jesus for all of these reasons and more. Would you pray that we would, as a people, take his yoke upon us, that we would not wed ourselves to anything other than Christ, not a country, not a political party, not a tribe in evangelicalism, but Jesus. Because he will guide us into greater truth, greater love, greater faithfulness to the very heart of God. Would you pray that we would find rest in Jesus today? That we would Rest in the fact that it is not our effort that yoked us to Jesus, but his. And that if we know him, it's because we, he wants us to. And, and as we know him, we know God, and that's because God wants us to. You have an invitation, follower of Jesus, to intimate fellowship with the God of the universe. Rest in that. And would you rejoice that your woe has been changed to a woe? Because God has allowed you to behold him through the glory of his son. Would these things be true of us? We pray, Father. We hear your invitation. And we come. We come. We're going to stand and respond in singing. 
And let me just say, if the Lord's moving on your heart and you don't know Christ and the Holy Spirit's revealing some things to you and you feel like you need to repent and believe, you can do that right where you are. Just confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Essentially just saying that Jesus is who he said he is and he did what he said he would do. And just say, Jesus, I need to get yoked to you because I can't do this on my own. I want you to hear me today. God, Jesus, they're desiring that. Respond today. For the rest of us, can we just stand and sing praises to a God who has revealed himself to us in Christ and further committing ourselves to walking in the yoke that he has provided? Let's do that right now.